This podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Nexus Recruitment Group, official Bristol City Football Club short sponsors. There is a company or brand within the group that can assist all recruitment needs across any industry to suit any budget. Head over to nexus-resources.k.uk or 3people.k.uk for more information. Hello, welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, the bonus show. Well, today we have had a fantastic day. Off the back of Matt's birthday the other day, getting through to the final of the Euros, uh, we were invited up to the Robbins High Performance Centre to have a look around. Um, and it, the, the day just grew knobs and whistles as we went on. Um, we were invited to, to watch the training. Uh, we were invited then to uh, have some player interviews and interview with Nigel Pearson and then a tour of the facility by Richard Gold. And uh, Matt, you're with me now. How great a day was that? Um, I don't know how to put it into words really, Pat. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of expected a, a bit of a look round, you know, maybe probably half an hour or so. And then to get the opportunity to, to sort of see the players, obviously meet Nigel at that point and Keith. Um, and watch the players in action for sort of you know half an hour or so, then to get into the restaurant and have some food and spend time chatting to Dave, yeah. Um, along with with um, obviously Gregor, Mikey, and, and Eddie were there. Um, you know, seeing the players and, and interacting with them, and then to get you know to interview Andy King, Nigel Pearson, then spend time with Richard Gould showing us all the way around um, the home high performance center. And then exactly what that high performance center is. Yeah, it was just absolutely mind blowing, really. Well, in the style of the bonus show, we're going to, there's no starting lineup to go through, but there's uh, the minutes. So we're going to try and do this in some sort of chronological order. So, so Matt, obviously, we arrived, went to reception, and the first thing you see um, are all of the, the football kits from over the years. And, yep. you know, I think as fans, the football kit itself is always something we hang our hat on, so to speak. And, and you know, most people will will get the kits, um, whether they like them or not. You know, a friend of mine who buys them and just sticks them in the cupboard. Um, but it was great to see, wasn't it? Them all laid out on there and we could all say, well, this was our favourite, this was our least favourite. Fantastic sight, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was the majority, um, potentially, I guess, not all, but the majority of the fir- uh, the home and away shirts. And, um, you know, I, I loved it because I was kind of picking out the shirts and then picking out the player that immediately sprung to mind when I saw yeah. that shirt. And... You know, even now, you know, I can still picture Soren Anderson in that yellow one with the red Sanderson on. And um, yeah, it was uh, and a great, a, a great entrance to the reception, isn't it? To have that on there. Yeah. Um, yeah, re- really, really good. Some um, really good words as well behind reception. I can't remember it yeah. exactly, but the bottom line was to inspire our community. And um, yeah, there's certainly... That what we've got there now, um, as we said, as we came out, there's no excuses now. They've got all they need. Um, but yeah, that was my, one of my favourite bits was just seeing those shirts. Um, so from there, Matt, we went out to to the training ground and we caught the last half an hour of training. And um, obviously the players were were all there doing their drills um, and yeah, they played a bit of a match towards the end. But uh, everyone, you know, looks so fit for so early on in pre-season. It was, it was great to see, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, there were a couple of, of 
key standouts, I guess, for me. I thought um, Andy Vyman looked really, really sharp. Um, Tyreek looks uh, physically more of a man. Um, you know, he's a much bigger sort of imposing figure. Now, that might have been because, you know, I'm, I'm never that close to see that. And Chris Martin, I, I honestly, I'd love to ask him, but he looked today fitter to me than I reckon I've ever seen him. And I've watched Chris Martin play for years for obviously various clubs. He he looked absolute, you know, peak fitness today. Um, and, and there was, you know, and I know with what we watched, the patterns of play, you know, it was obviously set up for certain scenarios. Um, but it was good. It was, in, you know, high intensity. Um, you saw that the youngsters all featuring as well. A um, couple of really neat finishes from friends of the show, Tommy Conway. And I, I haven't <laughs> forgot about the shirt. Um, but yeah, it was great to see. Great to see. And, and obviously we got, you know, an opportunity to speak to, to Keith Down as well, which was was really good. Yeah. So, so I was just going to say that the training, you know, when we arrived was all being taken by Keith Downing and, you know, Nigel Pearson um, on the sidelines, just watching on, getting involved here and there. And then uh, Alex Ball took the match and refereed the match. And that was, uh, you know, great to see the, the the banter flying around there. And Keith came across, didn't he? And uh, as and as did Nigel, shook her hand and and. Keith Downing had some uh, some great anecdotes, some great stories of his time with England in the 2018 World Cup, and we'll hopefully get him on one day so that he can tell them himself. But great to meet them all, um, and yeah, uh, really good to see. Uh, so from there, we went uh, back in to to the high performance centre, and we had lunch, pretty much lunch with with first team on one side of us and the and the under 23s on the other. But uh, fantastic lunch, um, very very nice. Um, then we had an interview with Andy King, um, and we're going to play that for you now. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back afterwards to uh, summarise uh, our thoughts on that one. OK, so we're at the Bristol City Training Ground, the High Performance Centre, and uh, we're with Andy King. Andy, welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast. The, the, the thing with us, obviously, as a fan podcast, was amazing to see that you were a Bristol City fan when you were younger. And... I just want to know a bit more about that, really. When did you first go down? Can you remember your first game, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, I can remember my first game. I was just saying then, my, so my first game was against Liverpool. I couldn't tell you what year it was. Um, there can't have been many of those. But on a, it was against <laughs> Liverpool. Bruce Grobbler played in goal right. at Ashton Gate. Couldn't tell you the score. I remember was I it the ate, FA Cup? I, possibly. Yeah. I ate a pack of hula hoop. And <laughs> my Fish dad and said, I wanted, when it got to half-time, I was like, is that the game finished? Like, we going home? Instead, I wanted to go home at half-time. So I'm how old were you there? I've got no idea. I, I, right. I would have been young, yeah. So yeah. it would have been me and my uncle... Um, so my uncle, my granddad, and my dad all, you know, lifelong Bristol City yeah. fans. That's where, obviously, all my brother and myself sort of jumped on with, yeah. with that. So I would have been really young. I think to get bored at half time, I would. Yeah, I think I would have yeah. been young at that stage. And did you grow up in Bristol? Whereabouts did no, you grow up? So I grew up in Maidenhead, which is just down M4. Okay. But my dad is from here, and like I say, my right. uncle and, and my granddad and stuff. Um, they're all from Bristol, so that's yeah. where the connection comes from. Right. And um, in terms of them, are they still fans, still season yeah, ticket yeah. holders? Or? No, they're not season ticket holders anymore. So it's harder for my... My uncle still comes down because he still lives uh, in the area. Yeah. Um, my granddad's actually no longer with us. He actually died at the start of this year, which is oh. a shame because obviously he would have loved to see me play. And that's Absolutely. Where, um, it's sort of a nice one for me, though, to come back and be able to... Because I actually didn't get to go to his funeral because of COVID and then right. I was playing in Belgium. I wasn't allowed to come back because mm. of the travel and stuff yeah. like that. So... It'll be a nice moment for me. Hopefully, when I get to play my first game yeah. or, or come on the pitch for the first time, I'll I'll certainly like be thinking of him. You know, when I get on the pitch, because he would have absolutely loved it. You know, he's the reason my whole family supports the club. So, yeah. um, 
that'd be a nice one for me. And my brother now doesn't because he's got kids and stuff like that. But he actually, I was saying, he actually came to university in Bristol just so he could okay. keep his season ticket. Right. So they'll, I imagine they'll get as many family members down yeah, for I'm the first game. Asking for a few extra tickets yeah, <laughs> as possible. Uh, Come the first game of the season. Yeah, I know. Like that. I, yeah, know. Yeah. I can't wait for it. Like I said, I, I went to see my my old seat. Uh, or yeah, so I think my old seat was when the Dolman Stand was, not it? Yeah. yeah, and it looks mad. Obviously, the stand across the across the pitch now is so different to what it used to be like when Bit I changed. was. Yeah, the one on the left when I was there. Yeah, because when I first started, this they actually came out of the middle of the pitch. That's right. Yeah, and then obviously the they moved to behind the goal. Yeah. Um, well, I hadn't seen the new stand before because obviously I hadn't played against Bristol City no. since we were in the Championship and then because Covid we haven't been able to come so yeah they've done an amazing job So obviously there. following the fans following the club at that age who were your sort of idols then? Are, well, are we talking was, Scott, Mary, yeah, Brian, Tinian? weird I said for the first few days like, I felt awkward asking Scotty for like a jumper and I was like Scott Murray I can't ask him to go and get my stuff but now I know him I tell him to go get my stuff yeah. um, Come no, on Scott hurry up Tinian, obviously, I see him walking around. He's doing a job with with the academy as well. Yeah. But he was obviously the one, you know, with the one with the lefty in the middle. Yeah. Um, Lewis Carey. Yeah. Mickey Bell. He's a son. I didn't realise actually plays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you didn't get her and say, "Do you look a lot like?" <laughs> they do actually look similar, don't they? <laughs> Basso in goal. Oh, there um, we go. Who else? Keith Millen, centre half, would have yeah. played. Yeah. Christian Roberts up front. I always liked him. Yeah. When I first started coming, it was actually Sean Goater. He right. was like my favourite player. Yeah. Um, he so went yeah, on went on to uh, to do very well, didn't yeah, he? he? Did, yeah. did you have any questions about Nigel? Yeah, so Nigel Pearson, I've seen your interview where you said when he got the job, you know, you're kind of yeah. in contact with him. But but why Nigel? Why would you want to play for him? What is he? You know, as a manager, what are his qualities, Andy? Um, he's I not think... here. He's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the minute I was, obviously I've had success with him before. Yeah. You know, he he's the one the reason why I've been able to have the career which which I've had really. You know, he, he sort of took me as a young player. You know, gave me the chance and then gave me to sort of grow into the to the career I've had. He was absolutely brilliant. And then we obviously had this the success. You know, we won a couple of leagues together and stuff like that. Stayed in the Premier League in the first season. So, I think the the idea I have of I know how he wants to play. I know what he expects from a group. Um, I know what he demands of his players, and and that's obviously high standards, high intensity. Um, that's how he wants to work, and I just love the way that he can bring a group together. Um, you know, there's going to be no excuse for anyone this season where they're not fully prepared to, to go out onto the pitch wherever the game is to, to then not give their best. We look at the facilities we've got here, that's not an excuse. You look yeah. at the manager, he's so yeah. organised, that's not going to be an excuse. It's down to us as players to, to perform. He's going to make sure that the, the players are in the best possible place. And, and the one thing I think he does so well, if not better than anyone I've worked with before, is the way that he knows what every player needs. You know, some players might need a bit of a rocket, some players need an arm around them, some players need a tickle. Um, but the way he gets the group all in a good place, you know, mentally, the lads are really enjoying their training at the moment. They're working hard. Um, and, you know, he's he, he just got that knack about him of how to bring a group together and, and mm. get everyone pulling in the same direction. And great for you to be reunited, obviously, with Danny Simpson, Matty James. Are you, have you formed you know, your own little club or are you bringing no, anyone? No, we're trying to... Uh, <laughs> no, no, not like that. Uh, but it's always nice, you know, when you first come in and you see a couple of friends who, yeah. who you know already. But to be honest, the lads have been absolutely brilliant. Um, because obviously I following the team for longer periods I sort of heard mumbles and grumbles and stuff like that of what it was like before it's not like I've just come in with a fresh mm. or oh, this is good I sort of knew from the outside what it was like and what it helps sort of, knowing the club's history yeah, I guess exactly, you, come, you yeah. don't come in cold you know the journey we've all yeah, been on as fans and also what like, the frustration people had last season or the yeah. season before maybe what some of the problems were um, 
but I've not found any of that. I think the lads have been absolutely top class. I can't speak highly enough of them as a group, you know, really welcoming, really working hard, showing you around the area, telling people where to go and, and stuff like that. So, like I said, I can't speak highly enough of, of the first 10 days, which, which I've been able to have so far. And fans, obviously, you're always um, interested in kits and things like that. You've seen a few Bristol City kits over the years. And obviously, coming into the High Performance Centre today, we saw all the kits over yeah. the wall, which was a great sight for us. Um, thoughts on the new home shirt that was announced last Brilliant. night? I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that's just I'm going to have to wear it for the first time, <laughs> but... Yeah, no, I think they always do. Even the training kit, I think, I think yeah, it's top class. Like that, yeah, yeah. Um, with the nods to all of yeah, the, you know, the, the balloons and, and uh, yeah, etc. I think it's really good. But yeah, going back to the to the ones on the wall, I was saying I got the yeah, how many have you Johnson's got? Paint Trophy one. You know the gold with the blue Stoke stripe. City, yeah, the yeah. Stoke City. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've got that one. I've not. I'm only obviously seen myself in that for a long, long time. Then I walked in and saw one. I was like, oh, I've got that. <laughs> got a few of the ones off. with obviously the Daz on the front. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was nice to see them all hung up. Yeah, well, it's absolutely uh, great to, to have you at the club and it's always great to have a fan as well. So uh, long may that continue and you become a fan favourite yeah. yourself at Ashton Gate. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Andy, for joining us. Thanks, Andy. Okay, so that was our interview with Andy King. Um, what a lovely chap. What a lovely bloke he is. Great to hear the stories um, of him following Bristol City as a youngster. Um, and, you know, obviously his granddad was his inspiration. And I'm sure he'll be in his thoughts when he plays for us at Ashton Gate. But uh, what a lovely bloke, Matt. Do you know what, Patrick? A, a really nice guy. Um, and immediately, having spent, what, I don't know, 10 minutes in his company, you can see why Nigel Pearson likes his character and why he would want him in and around the club, what an impact he must have on the younger players. Um, just spoke spoke really, really well. Um, and clearly, you know, I know, I know we've seen the the sort of tweets and the images of him in a city shirt and stuff, but, but clearly the, the, his family has that affiliation to the club and you could see just how much it's going to mean to him and the way that he talks about being able to pull the shirt on for the first time um, didn't didn't actually sort of say when I I sort of step out onto the pitch is you know first team or whatever he, he just basically said as soon as I'm able to get on the pitch and pull the shirt on you know it'd be a really proud moment and lovely you know, especially you know Andy talked about his his granddad mm. uh, and having lost him um, so you know it's just a, a nice a nice thing for the family isn't it yeah yeah and obviously we we saw the the um the tweet that announced him as a sign-in and showed that yeah. one picture but he had several other pictures of him his shirt with his, yeah. with his family on his phone yeah um so yeah great looking forward to seeing him um playing for us next season um as part of uh, it's, it's not a massively different squad but it's uh seems seemingly rejuvenated they, they've they've put he's put in those these three Leicester players got Andy Vyman and and Nathan Baker signed on to some longer term deals and I, I sort of said to, to, to Nigel late, later on in the day you know effectively using those guys as change agents bringing the change um that was clearly needed after the, the finish we had to the season yeah um I think, you know, reading between the lines with what, what Nigel was saying, and there wasn't anything that he said that was, you know, clickbait or, or, or anything that, you know, I'm keeping back from, from anybody listening. But reading between the lines, he felt that there were changes needed, changes of personnel to freshen it up. 
Um, he wanted a smaller squad, which he's obviously got. And and you could see, I mean, Patch, we were there for, like I said, 20 minutes, half an hour, watching them play. You could see the camaraderie on the pitch. You could see, you know, I think Andy King one point was shouting across the pitch at Casey Palmer about a, a challenge that had taken place in. Um, and it's good to see. And, and as I said, spending time with just a couple of those players, you immediately recognise the importance of them. You know, we got to see Danny Simpson a bit later on, didn't we, when we were going round and similarly with him. So, I, I'm, I I kind of feel rejuvenated before the start of the season. And, and I always feel a bit like that anyway at the start of the season. But, yeah. you know, I, I do genuinely think that Nigel Pearson was saying all the right things in terms of what we needed to do fitness-wise, what we need to do physicality. Um, and, you know, that certainly from, from the outside in, that, that seems very much to be a, a, a situation that's taking place. And, and the players definitely look fitter, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Okay, um, so then we uh, went into the the press room. I think it's called. It looks like a mini lecture theatre for those familiar with those in schools. Um, and Nigel Pearson came in, and we had first of all an interview from Ed Hadwin um, from BBC Radio Bristol, and then Gregor McGregor, and then it was our turn. Um, so well, I'm going to play now the clip first of all of our interview with Nigel Pearson uh, which I hope you all enjoy and then later towards the end of the show I'm going to play the interview from Ed Hadwin and then we'll save the Gregor McGregor one um, for our bonus show for the England-Italy game so that'll be coming up um, on that episode but here we go here's first of all our interview with Nigel Pearson. Okay so um Nigel, thank you very much for joining us on Three Peeps in a Podcast, and thanks to today for setting this all up. Um, there's only one place to start. I think two days' time is the biggest, biggest night in English football for 55 years. Mm. How much have you been watching the England games, and do you think we can go that final hurdle? Well, I hope so. I, I hope we. I'll, I'll answer the last bit first. I hope so. Um, I've moved into a house here and my telly doesn't work, so I, I, you know, I have to go around to other people's places to watch the games. But. <laughs> so, um, as you'll probably not be surprised about, I'm not the, I'm not the, I don't watch all the games. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey in the tournament, I think, for England. Uh, and it, it, what always fascinates me is the uh, hysteria in the media about how they, how they report certain games and performances and I think we've been a side who the, the weight of expectation and the weight of um, you know the the, uh, the national desire for us to do well is, is, has sort of weighed pretty heavily um, on on previous England teams I think uh, I mean to give an example of Germany in the past that they're, they're a side who have not necessarily played well, but have won tournaments, mm. and and you know it always makes me smile how we absolutely dismantle uh, performances. But look, we're in the final, and that's all that matters. And and I think the team's shown, uh, yes, uh, incredible uh, togetherness, mm. and we've got a talented uh, pool of pretty young players. So it, it it bodes well for the future. But of course, once you get to finals, it's it's about winning, and we come up against a side who are I've been very impressed with. Yeah, with Italy. I think they've been um, the the quality of the side's been very very good, but the tempo with in which they played has surprised me. 
Yeah, so the, the, it's going to be a tough game, but um, yeah, very interesting. Just down to 90 minutes plus hopefully no more time. Um, <laughs> in terms of Gareth Southgate as well, yeah. I'm sure you've played against him and been in opposite dugouts. Um, how well do you think he has done, you know, from where he was 25 years ago, almost to the day of yeah. missing that penalty, to come through that adversity <laughs> and, and come out the other side and be where he is now? Um, what a journey he's been on. Yeah, but he, he's a he's an intelligent guy, I think, as well as being um, a good footballer. And I think what stands out is his calmness and his ability to just keep things in perspective. Um, I think he's handled he's handled his tenure uh, as the national coach particularly well. Um, they've certainly gone down a route of bringing young players through, mm-hmm. which is. It's bearing th- uh, fruit, um, so he's, you know, he's he's been able to, he's won enough games to give himself further opportunities, and Absolutely. that's that's always what it's about. I I think he's done incredibly well. Um, no doubt he'll be uh, Sir Gareth if we win. Well, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> so we are a fan podcast, Nigel, yeah. and. Um, how, is, how have you galvanised your relationship with the fans in your previous role and, and how, how has that gone for you? Well, it's been difficult here so far. Obviously, It's yeah. been difficult <laughs> here so far because I've not really had contact with um, our fan base and that's always a difficult... Um, you know, it's a difficult relationship to build when, it, when, when there's absolutely no contact. Mm. And I think one of the things I, I, I both expect and... Uh, realise is a, is a part of the job is you know you can't go through t- the type of run that we've been on and not come in for some criticism but what I would say is I've been uh, I, I, I feel that the, our fan base is very keen for us to, to do well as a club and I think they genuinely feel that we as a club are trying to move in the right direction Yeah, sometimes you need a few knockbacks before you can move forward and I think um, what I'll always try and be is as open as possible. I, mean, I know I don't always have a, a reputation of being the most um, open person with the media, but yeah, that's true too. I'm not trying to hide behind that. But what I what I will always try and do is is um, is paint a, a, a clear picture if I can. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, sometimes if it's what people don't want to hear, it it's it's I'd rather give. I'd rather give the view of how I see it rather than um, yeah, try and waffle my way through it. Absolutely. Open and honesty is, I think, is what fans want to hear. They want to be in tune with, with you, with the coaching staff, with everybody else, and just have that. It's more about the players, on. and I think this is the thing that we've got to be... Uh, I think this is something that we, we've got to be very mindful of. I think that the, there is a, a danger in the modern game that... that, that um, fans lose contact with the players that they support, and yeah, they support the club. But, but um, you know, probably heard me say before, as a manager, as a player at a football club, you are a, a visitor. You're yeah. passing through. Yeah. If you're a fan, you're a fan. You're there for <laughs> and life, that, and that's <laughs> it. So, you know, we are, if you like, custodians of of the positions that we hold, and yeah. uh, it, it's really important that. Whether it's successful or not, you try and do it with a bit of integrity and a bit of authenticity, and I think that's really important to me. Yeah, and for that first game, Blackpool at home on the 7th of August, 
hopefully a full Ashton Gate. How important is that going to be to have that roar? It's going to be the first game of the season for us fans is is always optimism is through the roof yeah, and, yeah. undoubtedly but you know it's always a nice hot day as well so it's it's one that's going to be a fantastic one to get those fans in and cheering on the cheering on the it, team. it will be a i think it'll be a, a great day for football absolutely but, but certainly for for us um i think what you've got to remember is that, that some players have have thrived through not having yeah, the pressure yeah. of the fans on them but there's so many people who who just find it more difficult because of it and I, um, I think it will it will give yeah, football a huge lift to get as we've seen yeah, in, the Euros. Uh, in the Euros how how important it's been to, to, to get crowds in there I think we've seen a level of football which reflects that mm. um, I think our players are really excited about the prospect uh, of playing back in front of our own fans um, certainly I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to to getting back on the touchline or sometimes in the stands to to um, to oversee the team mm -hmm. um, and I think what's also really important is that, that um, our fan base has a has an optimistic outlook on, on the future because there's nothing worse than than um, you know feeling a bit negative about where we are and I think the changes that we've made this summer hopefully will will ignite some optimism mm -hmm. uh, but then it's about us delivering and that's what we've got to do and that's one of our objectives in pre-season is, is to create an identity um, that our fans can identify with themselves and yeah. that is I want us to be a really hard working honest side first we've got some good players yeah but it doesn't go the other way around. I want us to be hard working. I want us to be show a real commitment to what we're trying to do, um, and be as fit as we can. So that you know, if we have to win games ugly sometimes, I'll be really happy to win an ugly game, and I think <laughs> the fans will too, because there'll be days that we play well and and win, and you'll enjoy good football too. But it's about winning, and we've not won often enough. No. Co-host Max, just one for me. How are you finding life in Bristol, Nigel? Yeah, everybody wants to, to get to know you, which is good. Yeah. Um, where I live, uh, I, had a, I took a taxi home yesterday and uh, the guy asked me if I'd do a presentation for his grandson's uh, team. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm, I'm fully aware that uh, people are going to be very... No, people have been really warm and, and very welcoming. And it's a fantastic city. It's a great secret. It's a well-kept secret, is Bristol. Mm. Okay. I like to live in the outlying areas. I'm not telling you where, but I, I like a bit more of a, a, a country location. But it, it's been, yeah, it's it, it's a fabulous place. I think if we get it right here, there's a there's a uh, huge scope for us to to really develop hugely as a football club mm. too. So. You can start ticking off all of the landmarks on your, yeah, on your yeah. shirt. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the balloons, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it's a great sight. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic yeah. sight. Yeah. Great stuff. There, there are some pubs on there. there <laughs> well, <laughs> probably on the back, <laughs> okay. I think. Okay. But, uh, Nigel, thank you so much. Pleasure. Yeah. Good luck for the season. Okay, thank and you. Uh, we'll be with you all the way. Cheers, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so that was our first 
ever interview with Nigel Pearson and hopefully we'll get further opportunity to do that throughout the season. Um, it's clear that that communication, communication with fans as well as, you know, the press um, is really important to Nigel and also to Richard Gold, who we'll come on to a bit later. But uh, Matt, your takeaways some from that interview with Nigel Pearson. Um. I enjoy listening to him anyway. Um, you know, as he said within the, the interviews, um, he's, he's got kind of a, a bit of a reputation as being perhaps a bit awkward or whatever. But I think he, he thinks about his answers. Um, he's never going to give um, information out to the media or to fans that the players wouldn't be the first to know that. You know, I, I genuinely believe he's not the sort of bloke that you would see in the street or in the pub um, that would give you, you know, insight into what's going on. I think he, he he very much is that professional manager. And believe you me, and I've got first-hand experience of it, and I won't go into details, I may have done in the past, but of a manager telling me things, private things about players that, you know, I wouldn't have expected to known as a fan. Um, and, and Nigel Pearson definitely isn't that sort of man. He's very much what you see, you know, he's very open and honest, but will tell you, honestly, I can't tell you that. I won't tell you that, you know, you know where you are with him. Um, and I, I really like him and I liked him before and having met him today and spent some time in his company, um, I like him even more. And, and I'll, I'll go on record now as saying I'll be very, very, very surprised, Patch, if he doesn't turn us into a more successful side than we've been without him being here. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. It was great to get the the, the thoughts. I, I, I started purposefully in that interview with a non-Bristol City question because he, he must get bombarded with those, you know, and it was great to get his thoughts and opinions on, on England and on Gareth Southgate and the man um, that, that quite frankly, we've all fallen in love with over the past few years um, from the World Cup and now into the success of the Euros and fingers crossed Saturday, sorry, Sunday night goes as we all hope, but um, it was a great insight, great conversation. And uh, as I say, we, we hope we can have further conversations uh, throughout the season. Um, Matt, there, then we were introduced to Richard Gold. Um, mm. He came to the room and he gave us a tour of the High Performance Centre. Um, and, you know, start. I think we started back in, back in the reception area. We did, yep. Yeah, and he pointed out that his favourite shirt was the one that he designed. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to remember which one it was. But, it was uh, the uh, the black, um, black and green, was it? Yeah, no, I think it was the black. Yeah, the black RSG one, I think. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, so from there, Matt, where did we where did we go? You you've got a better memory than me. Yes, yeah, so we walked through. Um, as he sort of said, from the, from the the reception, you've got the left is sort of the first team players. The right hand side is the the academy and then the the sort of or sorry the the other staff, the the backroom staff. But we went through um, left hand side. We went um, past um, various different meeting rooms, boardroom, uh, or that was upstairs yeah, the right. boardroom, wasn't it? But various different meeting rooms. Went through um, and saw where all of the analysts were working. That's right. Yep. Um, so all the analysts were sort of in there. And the analysts um, were there because, you know, they, they film training. They've got a yep. drone the whole time yep. analyzing. You know, we saw sort of they were analyzing uh, the the lines and uh, making sure that everyone was was on point. Um, but the analysis that they do, you know, in, in the modern day football compared to, to, to days gone by, I'm, I'm sure it was more fag packet stuff back then, wasn't it? 
Well, we saw the drone up, didn't we, at the training, and then they're then feeding that through. And obviously you've seen then some of that footage is, is kind of gone onto social media as well. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to explain without sounding a bit pompous and, um, you know, like we were lucky enough to get there and people aren't going to see this. But you can't explain just how big a setup it is. You know, the, these rooms run the length of the, the football pitch, in effect. Mm. Um so you, you had those guys, you had the media guys there as well. Um, we got to meet Ryan, um, who obviously does a huge amount of work and was, was talking us through the the reveal of the, the kit last yeah. night with the dogs. In, there was uh, no dogs at the performance centre. No dogs, that's right, yeah, yeah. But with, um, you know, Callum, Callum O'Dowder's dog being a starring role in that. But, yeah. you know, to meet those guys, to meet Matt Parsons, who does a huge amount of work as well down there. Great, great guy. Um, and it, And... I, I was just surprised, Pat, just how big, it, as I say, it was, you know, that these weren't, you know, a couple of desks. You're talking banks yeah. of desks for these people to work at, you know. It's like being back um, in the office. Yeah. yeah <laughs> we haven't yeah. seen for 20 months, but um, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, it was fantastic to to get that behind the scenes, uh, behind the scenes view. Um, and yeah, we, we basically walked, walked through, we saw, Nige's, uh Nige's room, the manager's room. Manager's room. Yeah. Yeah. We I saw, we saw Richard Gold's office as well. Yes, we did. The, the the and again things like the HR area, the um there was a safeguarding area. Safeguarding. Well. I was trying to think of the word, thank you. Yeah. The safeguarding area. Um, you've got the as I say, the, there was the HR guys. Um, obviously you had Dave Barton's sort of yeah. area as well. And you know, it, it was just a really, really professional building. Um, and what what I loved in, and you know, I don't think I'm saying anything out of turn, but Richard Gould sort of said that he's been to a number of um, high-quality training um, areas, centres across sports, you know, both both from the football and, and the, the, the cricketing world. And th- this was as good as anything he's seen, but actually in some ways a lot better because it is very much a place of work. And, yeah. and that's the impression you got. Um, yeah, all right. We saw the the sleeping pods, didn't we? That they've they've. Yeah. I think they said took delivery of yesterday, mm. um, which was sort of three, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, three big pods that, yeah. that the the players after sort of heavy sessions will go in. That sounds bad. Heavy sessions, doesn't yeah. it? Not, I don't, I I don't mean having, Yeah, yeah. After watching the England games, yeah, <laughs> but spend sort of twenty minutes, half an hour after a training session to to you know get get a bit of sleep in and, and re-energize and you know that. You're thinking, cracky sleeping pods at, at Bristol City, you know, and that that was the first bit. Um, so listening to him talk like that, and and again, it just felt, you know, it, it was at pace to say it's a great place to come to work, and yeah. that is what this is. It is work. Well, it, it's, it's also- not a leisure centre or. No. These these guys are here for a purpose, aren't they? Exactly, and you know he he said a number of things that that really made me think, and he spoke about the osmosis between the the various players the academy the you know from right up from the people on the scholarship um in the academy up to the under 18s under 23s and the first team and the whole staff that are there they're all sort of learning from each other it's building that camaraderie that um that i think's you know really really going to drive us forward and we've seen that recently with the england team um so yeah that was uh, fantastic fantastic to see 
Um, and the fact that you said, you know, that the the teachers are coming into the classroom, and if the if the yep. if the kids aren't aren't doing their work and getting the right results, then uh, you know, it's uh, it's all it's all firing. And and I think that's it. We, you know, we got to see the academy classes as well. Um, you know, the the fact that you've got rooms there that are named after legends like Trevor Taint and Jeff Merrick, Jerry Sweeney. Um, that's what's the Scottish guy? Um, oh, Lewis Carey. No, yeah, Lewis was there, and he, I think he did. Didn't he turn out for Scotland? Yeah, I think he, did, he was yeah, in the squad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Lewis. No, the other guy, um, the England. Oh, I say Scottish. Is he? In, yeah, he's English, isn't he? He's yeah. England fan. Yeah, Scott Murray. S- Scotty Murray. And again, Scotty was up there, and I know you know he's a, a, a big friend of yours as well. But the bloke's a legend, and he, you know, you can see just how infectious he is around the building. Whether that's talking to, well, you can you hear know, him. The, whilst we were doing our interviews. Yeah, exactly. You can hear him shouting yeah. in the corridors. Yeah, and, and also I have to say. He's in when we left it, whatever it was, four o'clock, mm. and he, we'd already seen him when we arrived, and and he was telling us how he's there most days at sort of six in the morning, but he's there in the laundry room folding towels with the lady whose name escapes me, who was lovely, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Scott is in there folding towels with her and having a laugh and a joke with her, and and that's that's the man, isn't it? You know, he yeah. just is that that infectious character. So that was great to see. But you know, again, Patrick, go back to lunch, but the. The staff serving, the catering staff, the you know the the chef yeah, and the friendly. The, the lady, lovely, you know, couldn't do enough for you. And then when you see the academy players coming in um, and sitting, you know, on tables next to the first team, it, it is through osmosis. They're going to pick up on it, aren't they? They're going to see them train, and then they're going to see how they are, how they interact. I Everyone got to, was mixing as well, weren't they? You they know, were. It yeah, it wasn't like first team staff. No uh, academy. Everyone was mixing in with yeah. each other. It, it was good to see all the, all the players and, you know, the, the stars, if you like, um, the youngsters. You know, I got to chat to, to Louis Britton, who I reminded him that, you know, I, I saw Louis playing it, I don't know, six and seven for, for AEK Bocco um, and spent a lot of time there. But just talking to him about that and, and about his dad, Jeff, and mm. it was great, you know, and it, again, made the day even more special today in um yeah, it was it was fabulous. So upstairs was sort of you know uh, uh, where the, where the work was happening, so to speak. Then we went downstairs and we went um, through the gym, which is uh, you know as you'd imagine, completely state of the art. All got um, all got the latest equipment there. Into the changing rooms, um, and we <laughs> some Antoine was in there um, with Danny Simpson, and I think. Uh, Rob Atkinson so they, yeah, they was, were in yeah. there just and just all sort of feel so at home um big changing rooms and then we went through the changing rooms into a, a cryogenic chamber Matt and uh, I think they'd only literally you know I don't think anyone actually been in it yet but yeah uh, no it, it so they uh, I think Dave thought that and um then Sam um sort of explained that no it had been installed yesterday and actually I was talking to Nigel Pearson at the end and he said he'd gone in it yesterday for 20 minutes right um but but I think I I guess today made me you know I've 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 often said about we're a premier premier league club in the waiting and mm. and I I don't know how many championship clubs will have those sort of facilities I you know obviously I don't mm. but I can't imagine there are many that have a cryogenic chamber I can't imagine there are many that have got an altitude room I can't imagine there are many that have got anti-gravity treadmills yeah um and and you look at it and you think and and I you know I, I said it to, to Richard Gould and to Nigel Pearson and Andy King said it to us patch didn't he that there are no excuses he, he said it's the best 
training centre he's ever been at. Um, and they've got everything they need. I mean, the gymnasium patch was, you know, a, a like the likes of a, a David Lloyd sort of gymnasium. You know, they they had absolutely every type of equipment you can imagine, didn't they? All branded as well with the Robin yeah, on it. With the Robin's logo, yeah. Which is a great touch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and it's is from the from what we saw at the training and what we saw in the gym, it's as much about the, the 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 fitness and the training as it is about the recovery so you know this is sort of come through sports science over the years but you know at the end of training they were warming down they they were all of the the rollers all laid out for them um and you know the 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 cryogenic freeze freezing chamber as well it's as much about the the warm down as the warm up isn't it yeah um and again i i asked dave how many staff were there because there were a lot of staff there that had set things up and as you said had had the you know the relevant pieces of equipment ready to go um and it, it it's just a very very impressive building and you know it might sound a bit sycophantic in i'm not i'm not blowing smoke up anyone's derriere I, I as a fan a bristol city fan of 50 years Oh, no, not 50 years. Oh. I'm aging myself now. Do you know, I was then thinking to myself, how old am I? And I'm thinking, <laughs> of the, I was thinking the 55 then, went, which is obviously down, since we last won the one final. Year yeah. old. No, 45 years. Um, it's just, it's, it's great to see. And a huge, huge testament to the Lansdowne family again. Um, you know, and it's made me once again realise just how lucky we are as a football club yeah. to have the family supporting it like they do. Because... It's just incredible. And and we drove past the Bristol Bears centre, didn't we? And, you know, to see the sign, and it says on the sign, this is bear country, mm. with then a little sort of laying down, um, again, you know, obviously fairly close. But it's, yeah, it's it's it's, it's fabulous. Well, they're, a mi- they're a mile apart, we, we yeah. clocked. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there will be some sharing going on. They've got that mm. lovely indoor facility at the Bears um and and i'm sure vice versa but yeah. the the pitch the pitch for the for the celtic game next wednesday looked in great nick we saw dan sparks got to speak to dan didn't we yeah yeah the the groundsman and his team and uh he gave us an update on ashton gate as well obviously matt you were there the other day and concerned about um russell howard being on the pitch but uh he said it's progressing well and it will be ready for the 31st which we yeah which we now know will be versus Aston Villa, the first Aston game Villa, yeah. back. Did he Aston did game. he say um, that it was ten days down the pitch? I think, I think yes, Dan said I think, ten days down. Yeah, yeah, ten days. And it, and, and it looked incredible for that. I mean, you have to say, Patch, the the um, the match pitch at the High Performance Centre mm. where the the women's ladies team will will play. Um, I mean, it's, it's like a snooker table, wouldn't it? It <laughs> was just so flat and you know the lines in it it just looked you want to play football on it don't you so how many pitches were there obviously there was that like showcase pitch if you like yeah there was the showcase there was the one that the the players were training on there was one to the side of that and then there was the one in the corner where the goalkeepers were were training yeah um and i think i don't know if it was i don't know if it was nigel or dave um that said to us about the, the goalkeepers no, it might even have been Richard, but the goalkeepers, all of the goalkeepers, you know, academy up, were all in the same area and being able to train together. And you think, again, if you're if you're a youngster and you get to see your first team players going through their routines and showing mm. the dedication needed, that is only going to inspire you, isn't it? So, you know, I, I've always thought it was a little bit of 
um, I don't, not flannel, but when we sort of heard, yeah, you know, it'd be really important for us all to be up here together in the mm. academies. But you could see that, you know. And I also say, Patch, we got to see Tin Man, didn't we? So Tins again was stood there watching the training. Um, yeah. So you know, again, a, a huge. It's going to be interesting time for him. Um, and from what we heard in, in in the interviews with with Nigel, you know, how many players will actually go out on loan? Um, and obviously, I'm sure he'll bounce off of. Uh, off of Brian on, on this one as well. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, see how that all works out. Yes. And um, Nigel Pearson was sort of clear to say, wouldn't he, that he does, you know, loans only happen if players need game time um, because they're not playing and not kind of featuring or coming back from injuries, that kind of thing. Or um, to develop, didn't he? Or to develop, exactly. But also that, you know, he, he said that the youngsters had the shirts, um, yeah, that's what, that was and, really interesting. Yeah, actually, Tommy Conway finished as our striker with Naki yeah. Wells, and so he sort of said they're all, saying he's still got the shirt. Yeah, they've all they're all in that position that um, you know they're they're going to feature. So you know, realistically, of course, you would expect some of the youngsters that featured last year. Um, you'd expect the likes of you know potentially George Nurse, Campering. Cam may stay around, but, you know, George Nurse, maybe the likes of maybe Tommy or Sam Bell or Sam Pearson going out on loan. Because you forget, these are 18, 19-year-old lads that got thrust into action um, and you wouldn't really have expected it. But what, what Nigel Pearson was very, very clear to say, wasn't he, that if you are good enough, mm. he's not interested how old you are. Now, whether that's 34-year-old um, Danny Simpson and I think I'm sure Nigel Pearson said he was 34 because yeah. he then also referenced didn't he the fact that he'd said to Alex Scott um, who was 17 that Danny Simpson was twice his age <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah it's you know I, I'm as I say I'm very enthused about what, what I saw today and what I heard yeah a couple of things more things I want to get in um, so Mikey Cobham was there who joined us uh, for the bonus show a few week, a few days ago, probably. Um, he was doing a vlog. So he, that will be on uh, his YouTube channel and we'll retweet that. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at 3PIAPC and we'll retweet that um, that vlog from, from Mikey Cobham, which I think will be an interview with us. Short interview we did on that. So that was that was good to do. Um, and I just want to speak about Richard Gould as well. He showed us round. He is such such a, a down to earth, personable guy. Communication is is high on his agenda, um, and I think the fact that that we were invited up there as a fan podcast along with the with the local press is testament to that, Matt. Yeah, and and Stanley was there from OSIB as well, wasn't he? Yep. Um, and you know, I, I I don't want to go back in. Mark Ashton had his fans and, and obviously had his detractors. Um, Richard Gould comes across is exactly like you or me as a fan, mm. obviously knows his stuff and is, is exceptional at what he does, but came into the media room and sat at the back, then introduced himself, shook all of our hands. Um, and then he was the one who showed us round. Didn't ask someone else to do it. Didn't then wait at the end for us or anything. He showed us around and took us into every room, into the boot room, into the cryogenic chamber and this is the CEO who's massively busy mm. and then spent time with us at the end chatting, you know, talking about his favorite shirt, talking about his dad coming up in and having a look round, um, talking about Marcus Triscothic being on the phone. Um, so just, just a really, really nice guy. And 
again, just gives you a really good feeling about the place. You you know that I think someone sitting in front of Richard Gould will know what you're getting is the is the truth and um is a, a genuine man, which again is what you want as a fan. You yeah. want someone that's going to represent your club like that. Yeah, I mean, we we were only there sort of. Uh, two or three hours, uh, well, three or four hours actually today. And we were made to feel so welcome. Didn't feel like, you know, people were looking around to say, what what are they doing here? It was all very, very close knit. Um, and it was felt, it felt like a great community that they're building there. And I think that will, you know, give us dividends throughout the season at all levels um, on and off the pitch. So exciting times ahead um please do please do keep keep the faith i think the the message from 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 me is you know it's not going to happen overnight it's a it's a it's a two three year project so um i think top top half finish obviously it's still something we'd like to see because then we would have seen some entertaining football and some and some some good results um uh, what, what's your sort of aspirations matt off the back of the today Back of today, um, yes, top. Excuse me, top half without a struggle. Um, I think you've got to be realistic to say, you know, we were lucky not to get into the relegation battle at the end of the season. Um, but but listening to Nigel Pearson, seeing how they've worked today, yes, I, I would like to think that, that top half is a possibility. I think there may be, um, you know, as we heard in his interview um, with Gregor, you know, we may need to sell. Um, to get in any additional players, um, although he'd be happy with what we got. But, you know, you would think that, that there's bound to be interest in in Thomas Callas, um, Adam Nash, potentially even Naki Wells, um, following their, their kind of international exploits. Mm. Um, but that then may mean that we do go out and buy. Um, but I'm just, yeah, really enthused. As I say, it's it was an incredible experience, um, an, an incredible place. Um, I'll also say as well, Patch. We, you know, we, when we were talking to um, to Dave Barton and to, to Keith Downing, um, we passed on our, our sort of best wishes to Paul Simpson, and, and they said, you know, he's doing well, he's in a good place. Um, so yeah, just just echoing that again, you know, best wishes to Paul. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's I can't wait to get back down there, and, and you know, Nigel Pearson was was very clear that you know he can't wait to sort of see the fans and be able to interact. And I do genuinely feel now it's, it's funny in there under Steve Cottrell, I always felt this club and the players was probably the closest it's ever been with the fans. I can see that happening again. You could see there being that kind of close knit because of the way that Nigel Pearson is, but also because of Richard Gould, you, you know, he gives you that, that strong feeling that the, the fan base is, is so key to what we want to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, Top it off. Just a big thank you to uh, to the head of communications, Dave Barton, for um, for the invitation and uh, yeah. everyone for making us feel so welcome and for spending the time with us, like he did. You know, Dave, Dave sat with us at lunch and you know walked us around. Obviously, his team with Ryan and Sam as well. It was brilliant. Um, and again, great great credit. A couple of little stories about the the British and Irish lines as well from Dave, yeah. which is good. Yeah, we're going to so, get yeah. Dave onto the uh, to the regular show to talk about yeah. his his career because um, yeah, he has been involved um, you know, involved at, at the top for quite some time. Um, he said he's got some uh, good friendship with James Cracknell as well. No, James Haskell. James, James Haskell. Haskell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. James Cracknell. That's the rower, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Dave might know him. Yeah, yeah. Might do. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 
great to get uh, we get to get him on in the future. Um, but Matt, I think uh, we're going to finish with the interview from um, from Ed Hadwin with with Nigel Pearson. So hope you enjoy that, and we'll be back on Monday morning to review the Euros twenty twenty final, which is England versus Italy. And I still that still doesn't you know makes me uh, makes me quite. A shiver and quite nervous just thinking about it but uh yeah can't can't wait for can't wait for the game and uh, we'll be back as i say on monday thanks for listening everybody um and we will be back soon take care well nigel pre-season is always a, yeah, a time when you can, can get a lot of work in you you've had a, a couple of weeks now how happy are you with what you've done so far yeah pretty pleased i think that um i think one of the most important things was the players came back in a uh in a very in very good condition to start with, so that gives us a bit of a head start in many ways. And and the two weeks that we've had, it just means we're able to progress at a, a quite a, a quick rate in terms of the, the amount of loading. So um, yeah, I, I think if you speak to the players, that have found it quite tough, but they're capable of dealing with it. And I think if we want to be a, a side that's um, able to win games by being fitter then this is the only opportunity you get in a season when you're in the championship the championship's such a you know the games program so relentless that you've got to uh, use this as the as the the best opportunity to to get the work done so um yeah they've they've gone about it in the right way having a bit of fun as well so the dynamics have changed hugely because of the number of departures and uh some new faces coming in. I think that was really needed as well. Are you starting to see, because every football club has a sort of rhythm amongst the players and, and players sort of assume their different positions. Are you starting to see those roles being taken now? Well, it's still early days. I mean, I, I, the, you have to remember that we've, we've only had one uh, 11v11 and that was last weekend. We'll have another one tomorrow, uh, which will um, be for a longer duration. So it'll be three times 30 minutes. Uh, last week's was three times 20 minutes uh, and then we get into the games next week so once you start playing the games I think the competition for places really becomes more uh, apparent um, at the moment it's it's really about getting the conditioning right and, and I think the players have given themselves a much better chance uh, by coming back fit and working really hard in, in the two weeks that we've been back so we'll see Absolutely, and the other big part of any pre-season is obviously the, the recruitment and the ends and the outs. We knew about the outs. You've got a couple of familiar faces back in. Are you yeah. happy with where you've been able to get to there? Well, to get three back um, is really positive. So uh, both Andy and uh, Danny, um, we wanted to keep them anyway. Uh, Nathan is a real bonus for us because um, the circumstances of him coming back. Uh, been really positive. The fact that he was one of the players, a number of players who, who, you know, we as a club have made a decision in terms of how we, um, the wage structure, how we want to move forward, uh, given the the circumstances that football's in. And to be fair to Nathan, he's he's been really really positive, and we've been able to renegotiate a, a deal with him. Um, that's. I think better for us as a club and it's it's more incentive based so 
I think that's that's a really good sign that he's so positive about being back here. And, uh, we've seen training today, he's enjoying himself too. So, you know, we are, it's important that we get the right people here. Um, I, I, I've made my mind up at the end of last season that we needed lots of change. Not necessarily because people are, are, are bad people or anything like that, it's just that, that it needs freshening up. We need, a, 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 we need to create an identity and I don't think we we uh, we had a positive one last season. So I think, yeah, again, another important factor about this pre-season is to get new faces in who bring a bit more know-how as well, experience, and they will help the, some of the younger players that we have here. So I think we've we've, we've done pretty well so far. Yeah, and, and so you talk about experience, mm. the likes of, of Andy King and Roger yeah. James, you've worked with them before, you couldn't yeah. know them, but they also bring that, that know-how. They do, and quality. Um, so even in the small glimpse that you had this morning. They're, they're players that have been been in successful sides and um, they have a very uh, sound background as people too. So not only do they bring quality as footballers, they bring huge qualities as, as people too. And I think that is, that's something that, again, gives us a better balance within the squad. And uh, we, we'll only, add further if there are outgoings now or if there is something that is um, you know, if there's a, uh, a deal to be done that's that we as a club feel is the right thing to do uh, I'm not going to add players for the sake of it uh, and we're also mindful of trying to keep uh, the club in a in a healthy financial situation. My intention in this window, and I've made it pretty clear, I think, uh, from day one is to, is to stabilize the squad, make it more solid through the middle. Um, I think the, the additions that we brought in have done that. Uh, Rob Atkinson's settling well, although he's uh, probably finding it a little bit tougher because he's a little bit further behind fitness-wise, but his character is such that it carries him through. He's a, he's a, he's, he's a, he's a tough young man. Yeah. And, and he certainly did well for Oxford in, in League One. What was it that you saw in him that you thought he can make that step up? Well, I mean, he's been uh, his his profile as a player in terms of um, statistically is is a, a good. Um, he's a young player uh, who's. If you look at his career path so far, he's he's played non-league football and 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 managed to make really significant steps um, by moving up the leagues and being a success and I think he's he's very self-aware of what he wants out of his career and hence this is a really good step for him but he's, he's also the type of player that if we are successful um, he can make the progression with us as a club so those two things together I think are very important um, you know it's not always about just buying experience you, you're always or we are always trying to to get the balance right with investing in young players, but also making sure that the <laughs> the present is um, taken care of. And I think that's where we've come a little bit unstuck in the past. Because you said he's tailored last season and injuries were a part of that, but we could all see the talent that was coming out of the academy that, that was you know making some kind of impact, but that framework around them probably wasn't as strong as you wanted it to be. No, the foundation wasn't sound enough, as simple as that. Um, 
the statistics from last season are, are, are not a pleasant read. But but to to um, to make improvements, you've got to you've got to face up to shortcomings and and decide to um, yeah, make changes in the, in the areas that need to be done. So. I think, as from a fan's perspective, and as we'll hear in a bit, that you know that there, there, there might be a slightly different um, perspective on how they see um, how things move forward. But you know, I have to look at it in a very um, rational way and and decide with the support of the club that the areas that need to be uh, looked at first and and. Uh, yeah, we, we've still got a, a way to go, but I sense a greater optimism within the playing staff for a start. Uh, there is a greater harmony, um, and that's something which is very important. But, you know, one of the other things that's vital is that we have um, players who, you know, without wanting to sound, um, talking in sound bites, they have to have ownership of it, so they've got to be responsible for their own actions. Um, and again, that's something that I didn't see in the club last year. And that's not to say everybody was the same, but it, it, it was not apparent. And I think with this group now, um, yeah, they seem more able to accept responsibility. Uh, and I think we'll see a big improvement. Okay. And changes on the field, we've been talking about changes off the field as well, obviously. Gould coming in, got yeah. new sort of medical staff. Is that all sort of bedding down nicely as far as you're concerned? I can't speak for Richard, but of course <laughs> he's he came in at quite a difficult time. But yeah, he's he's a decision maker. He's somebody who knows the club well, um, and I think you know exactly where you stand when you talk to Richard. Um, and, and like I say, he's not somebody who who um, particularly sits on the fence at all, which I really like. I think it's important that. There is a transparency in terms of how we how we work to um, when you're trying to build something. There's no point trying to please everybody all the time because it won't work. Um, and uh, that's how I try and work myself. Um, I don't think people are under uh, any illusions what's expected of them. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it, it's going well. Dave Rennie's been a huge um, factor in again changes around the place just because of how he works. I've worked with him before, so I, I, I'm uh, a very bright man, and uh, the way he works, I think, um, empowers the players around, and I think that's really important. And just finally for me, it's been exciting. You've got sort of the inter-squad games, but <coughs> Celtic coming up next week, then you're into the sort of pre-season yeah. programme proper. That's got to be, a, you get to find out a bit more then, don't you? Yeah, but you know me, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'll just take it as it. Look, the, the training games. I think it's great that we that we've got some good games here that we can stream. So I think our fans can can at least enjoy some of the some of the early games. But and and don't get me wrong. I think that they're, they're important to go in into these games and be competitive and try and win them, of course. But uh, it's also really vital that we continue to develop ourselves. It's not about spending too much time looking at what the opponents bring. Um, it's difficult to gauge where other sides will be at in their preparation. But yeah, I mean, it, it's good to get um, the fixtures sorted out for pre-season. We've got some good games. 
Um, and so we start with Celtic, which uh, is, a, is a tough old game, but so what? I think it would be a, a good day. And then we, we're, we're off to Loughborough. And then when we get back, we've got Portsmouth, MK Dons, and then we've got a double header, um, Exeter and, and, uh, and Plymouth. And I probably can't talk about one after that. I'll be announced later today. Yeah, I can't. You can talk about it. I can't talk about the other one after that. But it's Villa. White rose, the feeling of home. Warm smiles, the crashing Yeah,